welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. The Olympics are finally here and Australia has a win, which is just absolutely delicious. The Matildas have started their campaign with a 2-1 victory over the football ferns. So it's time to talk about it. So it's me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington and Angela Christian-Wilkes. And we are here to take you through the first win in the Tony Gustafson era. So let's crack straight into it. Guys, there was just a whole heap of positives including a win. I think we need to just stress how much of a positive the fact that we got a win is after the kind of 18 months we've had. But there were other positives. So I'd love for you all to share what you just loved from that game. It's a a hybrid you love to see it kind of segment. So, Harry, do you want to kick us off with something you just loved from this game? Sam Kerr doing Sam Kerr things. It'd be so off-brand not for me to pump this up, Marissa. Um, Mm -hmm. She was sensational. Like, we knew she was goalless coming in to this game, like, hadn't scored in the Tony Gustafson era. Um, at times had really just looked marked out of games. But that just wasn't the case last night. And we know that New Zealand aren't the quality of opponent that, say, a Germany or a Netherlands are, maybe defensively, but can only play who you're up against. And Kerr was so influential. I thought she was involved in everything good. Uh, she obviously had the assist in that beautiful goal that Tamika Yellop scored for the opener and just an absolute bullet trademark header that delightfully just rattled off the crossbar to score a goal herself and end that drought. But she just looked involved in everything. She was driven. She was pushing up into midfield, but not like in that desperate way when players are struggling to to get a touch. Um, She was involved she was creating she spent a fair bit of time out wide as well cutting in whipping in balls she you could tell she got her confidence back because she tried this sort of audacious back heel um a few minutes after halftime and I think were it not for Erin Naylor we would have scored a lot more goals which is super super positive like they were genuine clear-cut chances um that on almost any other day we would have put four or five at least past New Zealand and I think Sam Kerr was so crucial to that um I think I said on Twitter that she was just saving the goals for when they actually counted and I I think it was just huge that she managed to get one on the board early she's in scoring form strikers need that sort of positivity and yeah for me great performance all around she was sublime in really what was a scintillating first half and she never dropped her head kept going and it's exactly what we wanted to see so yeah as you said Marissa it is a you love to see it Sam Kerr doing the thing. We missed it. We got it back. How good as we well. Did miss it. It's it's all of the above and it was just, it feels good when she scores. We've talked about this basically for the entire life of the pod. It feels good when she scores because then people don't talk shit and we love that. Um, Angela, what did you kind of love to see from this game? I loved to see Kaya Siren. I thought that she killed it and I felt very smug because you know it it was another I was right moment but with a little more humility perhaps because but with Kaya Simon it's one of those things I said this before when she's on she's on and when she's off it's like oh boy what are you doing and last night she was on and it was fantastic and it was a surprise for me to see her start as well um, I guess because we didn't see too much of her in the friendlies um, she wasn't really a consistent face there but yeah she worked really hard and was creating a lot and making good passes making smart decisions and had that sort of I guess she has a fire sometimes that she's 
she's going to, she really wants to score and that really showed through and she came close there. I think she's only going to get better if she can maintain that through this tournament. So yeah, Kaya Simon coming back and wowing everyone. You love to see it. Oh, we're doing a you love to see it segment now. Sorry, Sam. It's, it's fully formed into a you love to see it. Let's just roll with it. But Sam, what did you love to see from the game? I think my, my you love to see it sort of, it, it neatly wraps up both what Harrow and Angela have said, which is that I love to see not just the fact that we won, but the way in which we won. It really felt like the kind of Matilda's performance that we have come to know and love about this team. It was fiery, it was zippy, it was attack-minded, it was dynamic. We had players who were obviously playing in positions they were much more comfortable and confident in, particularly Tamika Yallop. I think bringing her back into midfield was a genius move. And we also saw a, a, a very subtle shift in formation that allowed both Steph Catley and Ellie Carpenter to play the attacking roles that they are so, so, so good at. And by the end of the game, we saw exactly the benefits of that. Steph Catley was the most creative player on the entire field yesterday. She had 15 crosses into the box and she created five chances. Ellie Carpenter, I think, was only just slightly behind her in that sense. And so it was like it was like the Matildas of old and it was so much fun to watch, you know, and I just felt so more, so much more confident in what this team is doing because over the course of the friendlies, it felt like Gustafsson was in some ways trying to get them to fit into a box that they weren't quite suited for and they had to sort of compromise things that they were really good at in order to follow these new systems and these new formations that he was wanting to get from them. But this game sort of felt like a really nice melding of those two things. They still played with the energy and the vibe and the identity that we've come to know of the Matildas, but they were able to do it in a formation that Gustafsson has taught them. So I was just so impressed overall. I, I was really, I have a lot of confidence coming out of this game. Um, it's just unfortunate that we're going to be coming up against a team that's just demolished the USA, but that's fine. We'll think about that in a couple of days' time. For now, I am basking in the glow of ye old Matildas coming back and winning a game at the Olympics. you love to see it. Sam, I'd love to bounce off that. Um, just a quote from Sam Kerr to Channel 7 after the match. She got asked about, um, obviously, we lost all five friendlies under Tony Gustafsson. Uh, copped 14 goals didn't score very many, had one draw, and it was a goalless draw. Um, and I think the discussion all the way and the message from the Matildas has been, we're looking towards New Zealand. We're looking towards New Zealand. This is all about preparing for New Zealand. We heard about them training in jumpers and track suits to try and replicate a bit of the humidity and heat they'd have to deal with, really grueling training sessions, you know, um, making sure the, the legs were pretty pretty weighted down, I think, when they were playing those games to, to replicate a bit of that tournament feel. Um, and I, I really liked the quote from, from Kerr post-match, which was, everything was for this moment, so we feel as prepared as ever. The results before didn't go our way, but it was all for this game. And look, we've got the three points and we'll move on. And I think if you looked at social media and the Matildas players' social media post-match, that was a pretty clear theme throughout. It was all about being ready for this game getting the result. And, yeah, I think it, when we go into depth a bit more, more goals would have been good. You look at the various permutations and how things could play out with the, the third-place group stuff. But ultimately getting the result was the most important thing here. And the way they played in that first half, we mentioned how many more goals they could have scored. 
reverting to that back four worked really well. I don't know if we'll see that in future games, but they got the job done. Anything less than three points would have been a failure, but they got it done. And as you said, Sam, they were so scintillating, especially for that first half. That it was just like watching some of those performances. Friend of the pod, Tom, he gets a rare mention, uh, said it was the best he'd seen since probably the, the miracle of Montpellier in terms of a complete performance that first half. And hard-pressed to disagree because we just looked so on. And, uh, yeah, obviously tougher tasks to come. But far that late goal ticked almost every box. No, you're absolutely right. It was scintillating. And I think just to round out the you love to see it, I want to be included too. We had a lot of debuts, which we loved to see. We had Ivy Lewick making her Olympic debut at the ripe old age of 36. And she did not miss a beat. I think her story is just one of the best in this team. And that says a lot, considering that all their stories are really, really great. We had the debuts of Kyra Cooney-Cross and Mary Fowler, which means she is now country-tied to Australia. We love to see that. Off that, Ireland. And <laughs> <laughs> cop that discourse, my God. Because, <laughs> boy, did we get sick of that one. Like, she's going to play for us. If she's going to play for us, she's going to play for us. If she's not, she's not. But got to say, it, it, it's nice to be on the, the winning side with this one. It's been a lengthy couple of years of who will Mary Fowler play for discourse, so I'm glad that we have shut that book. And just lastly, technically it was an Olympic debut for Tamika Yollop. She was in the squad for Rio, but she didn't play a single minute and she had an absolute cracker of a game. So we loved to see that. We knew that there was at least one Kiwi cheering her goal, so shout out to now friend of the pod, Kirsty Yollop. And baby Harley, but it was just, there was so many good things about this game. But let's get into a bit more kind of in-depth analysis. And we're going to start with a question we got from Twitter from Andrew. He says, we saw fluid passages last night of one-touch exchanges that got the girls down the ground quickly, which we haven't seen much in the friendlies. Is this just because the opposition was weaker or is Gustafson discouraging it and instead prioritising possession? So we can answer Andrew's question, but I think it also just speaks to the wider question. How much do we take from this game, considering that New Zealand is not at the same level as the countries that we have played in the uh, the last five friendlies? So whomst would like to tackle Andrew's question? It's a good question. I think it's it's probably a combination of both things. I think this was the best Matilda's performance so far that we've seen under Gustafsson, but it, it also helped coming against uh, an opponent that, number one, we're familiar with, number two, was pretty undercooked. Uh, New Zealand, as we spoke about in our preview pod, uh, hadn't played um, a sort of a competitive match together for longer than what the Matildas had, and that was almost 400 days. So I can't imagine how difficult it must have been for the Kiwis in this match. And in the last sort of two weeks, two or three weeks of preparation for them, they must be absolutely exhausted just from getting back to international match fitness, which is a whole other thing compared to club level. Um, And, uh, you know, as well, a similar kind of issue to what Gustafsson had when he first, you know, came into and and met his Matilda's players, Samani probably would have had a very similar kind of problem as well in trying to rekindle that chemistry between players and try to lay down a a formation or a system that they were able to become very rapidly familiar with in the space of a, a, a couple of weeks. Um, and then in addition to that, 
doing uh, like opposition analysis and trying to understand what exactly the opposition team is going to be bringing to the game that we can either try and neutralize, try and counter, try to exploit X, Y, Z. So, you know, it, it's complicated. And ultimately I think the answer is basically it's both. You know, the fact that we played New Zealand first, I think is a bit of a blessing because we really needed that result off the back of those five friendlies, off the back of those performances. We really did need an opponent who could sort of open the door for us a little bit by virtue of their own circumstances and, and their own sort of position in the world rankings and things like that. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm much more interested in how or whether the Matildas can translate the energy and the performances uh, across those 90 minutes into the next two games, because ultimately those are the two games that are much closer to where we are in the world or, or where we want to be in the world. Um, these are teams that we have recorded interesting results against over the past couple of years and who I think we are starting to use now as benchmarks to understand who we are and, and how we play and what we can what we can really achieve. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens from here. I think it's a, it's a good starting point. We did need to win, as Harrow said earlier. We needed to score goals. Sam Kerr needed to score a goal um, just to get that monkey off her back and to remind herself what it feels like. But now the next the next big challenge is going to be Sweden, and so I'm I'm very curious to see how this uh, how this changes, if at all. One thing that doesn't change, regardless of who you're playing, is what confidence can do for a group. Um, they needed to win, as you said, Sam needed to score goals, and I think if we're referring to Andrew's question, things like the one touch football that we saw fall and some of the really dynamic stuff. I think Tony would have been aware that there are players in this team that are more than capable of this sort of stuff. I think he wanted to bed it down, to really bed down some things first. Um, structurally, obviously, spent a lot of these friendlies playing with a back three and obviously testing out a few different personnel. But I think he'd prefer to have it in the order that we have where there were five friendlies where we were really challenged. It was really, really difficult. Like, got smashed in a couple of them as well, let's not forget. But then when it... The only game that has actually really, really mattered is that New Zealand one. That's the only one that's a competitive tournament game and they got the result. If we'd had a different build-up, maybe if it had been a less challenging one, maybe New Zealand would have posed an even greater problem. As it was, we won 2-1, not a particularly flattery scoreline and we had to sort of scramble right at the end. But I think that's what we can take out of it. Um, going through some of the flash quotes afterward, the impression that Sam Kerr had was well, if Sweden have knocked over the USA, any team in the top 20, it feels like, can beat each other. And that's the sort of confidence that you get from just knocking over that win. They had the result against Sweden and arguably unlucky 1-0 loss to Japan, and now they've actually gone and won a game in a tournament. And I think that will just do heaps for them. They'll go into this Sweden game going, you know, we got a, got a result against them in a friendly, but we're coming off a win. We're coming off winning a major tournament. We've got three points on the board. The USA don't have that. So many decent teams in this Olympics don't have that yet. It, it's We can sit here and say, you know, how much easier it is to play New Zealand. And we know their issues. Um, they sort of played a back three and then switched to a back four. And Ali Riley post-match sort of credited that with their second half resurgence. But at the end of the day, we just had to get the job done. And I think we can take so much out of that, as I, as I said before. I think so I really enjoyed the the one touch play in that passing and I don't think sometimes we don't really we me, me and the Matildas uh the Matildas don't really do that um I think 
yeah, the challenge with Sweden and the US is that I think they will punish us more for if that stuff is sloppy. So I think we had the freedom to keep it really crisp and, and to um, do really good passes because we were under less pressure. But I think it would be more important to maintain that when you've got a team like the US, you don't want to, you know, hospital passes and that sort of thing because they will, you know, they did just lose, but we know that they're still an incredible team and they they will beat us up if they have the opportunity to do so. So I think I, I'm not, ex- I, it'll be interesting to see if that will, that will still be the approach moving, like maintaining possession, knowing, keeping that in the back of our, our minds. Because, um, yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know. I, I expect not. I think it'll be a different tact. And yeah, I suppose as well that game pointed again to sort of defensive sloppiness. I, sloppiness is that the word? Yeah, just not being rigorous in defending, and that I think is still a concern and something that will need to be sharpened um, with the likes of Sweden and the USA. Like you can't, you can't be doing that. So yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. Sorry, Andrew. I'd be curious to see whether Gustafsson sort of encourages the Matildas to play a more counter-attacking style against Sweden because for anyone who did watch the Sweden-USA game, Sweden absolutely killed it in possession. They were they were really, uh, really calm, really in control. They had a lot of the ball. They built a lot of play. They weren't that sort of reactive uh, counter-attacking side. And the USA didn't know how to respond to that because usually it's the USA that are the possession-based side. It's usually the USA dictating terms and dictating tempo. But Sweden had that control in that game. And I think perhaps based on that, when Gustafsson and his coaching staff watches that game back, which they absolutely will, they'll see that this is one of Sweden's strong suits. And perhaps by trying to enact the same game plan that we did against New Zealand and trying to hold the ball and trying to build from the back, we're going to leave ourselves vulnerable. So because of that, perhaps that was the purpose of the Sweden friendly was to really dig in, to bring players back into more defensive positions and to see whether we were capable of counterattacking them. And it's important as well to keep in mind, I think that that nil draw against Sweden, Sweden were missing some big players in that game. I think they were sort of, that was almost their second string side. And uh, a lot of those players who were missing returned in the USA game and absolutely destroyed it. So we need to keep that in mind as well. Sweden have another gear that we didn't see in that friendly. Um, But I think perhaps also we have another gear as well. And I'd be curious to see whether... Um, Gustafsson really emphasises us wanting to play a counter-attacking style because we do have the pacey players up front. We know that we're capable of doing that. We know that Sam Kerr in particular is capable of doing that because she was the transition forward for so much of her time in the United States. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because this is something that we haven't really spoken about when it comes to the Matildas, the ability to transition between these two different major styles of play, reactive and proactive football. Um, and I think that was the ultimate, one of the, one of the big ultimate purposes of that series of friendlies was for Gustafsson to see whether these players are capable of doing that, whether they can learn these systems quickly and whether they can react in game to different kinds of moments that forces them to make decisions like that. Sam, I really love that point because I, I think it, it is spot on. Like, I think the other thing that those friendlies did was it showed the players that we can't just be freewheeling. We can't just be these dynamic, fun Matildas that are quick and score goals and this and that. Play against these teams, Germany, Netherlands, Sweden, they'll open you up 
if you get it wrong. And we saw, um, we talked so much about in that friendly sort of tucking in the centre-backs and they tricked us a little bit, sneaking Matildas last night, making us think they were going to have those centre-backs again with Catley and Carpenter instead had the back four. But I think those games showed what we have to do against those strong European opposition, have to be strong centrally, can't just solely be free-willing. You've got to, you know, take your moments as they come and still be creative and look to attack. And we know that the Matildas can do this, but I think those friendlies are really important in terms of emphasising how crucial it is to get those defensive parts of your game right, to, to really lock down, to, to get things in a really just solid position. And we got to see, you know, that sort of freewheeling fun against New Zealand. But imagine if we'd just played a bunch of friendlies against teams that we knew we could probably beat and just had everything go our way. We'd come up against the Sweden and the US and be like, oh my God, they're sucking, they're copying the punches we're throwing and they are absolutely hitting us on the counter or they are just dominating. They are taking everything we throw at them and just giving it back with a bit extra. Like, I think this was so important, this build-up. I think I mentioned the Sam, Sam Kerr quote earlier. They've, they've been vindicated early days. It's early days, and they've still got to play Sweden and the USA. But as you guys mentioned, we have a good record against these teams. Not, not necessarily always a winning one against the, these teams, but we tend to, you know, we go toe-to-toe. And I think apart from taking confidence out of the game we saw last night, having played or tried to get used to a really solid defensive structured type of game, it's something that they can really lean on going into these really, really tough tasks ahead. Just a quick note on the uh, the point you made there, Harrow, about preparations. I think maybe that is partly what undid the USA a little bit because they're like the USA and Sweden of Group G, the USA and Sweden played the most matches in preparation for the Olympics. I think there were sort of 12 and maybe 15 respectively. But the US, the vast majority of the games they played were against, to be honest, like third tier opposition around the CONCACAF region. They were teams that they regularly demolish when it comes to um, to qualification sort of games for Olympics and, and World Cups. And so perhaps by virtue of that, you know, their the last two games before their send-off to Tokyo was against Mexico and they put four past both of them. So there's only so much that you can learn about a team, that you can see about a team, that you can prepare when you're coming up against opposition like that. And I think that's one of the great things that Football Australia and Gustafsson decided to do early was to organise friendlies for the Matildas against serious opposition because that provided us with a very clear benchmark for what it is that we need to be doing if we want to go far in this tournament whereas I don't think the US were given that same sort of roadmap they played Sweden yes and they played the Netherlands I think last year um, but outside of that the the teams that they came up against weren't weren't all that hot shit you know and so I think that that, that preparation has really come back to bite them. We've spoken about them a lot so let's get into kind of preview almost of Saturday's game so if for some reason you aren't aware, Sweden beat the US 3-0. It was the US's first loss since January 2019. It ended a 44-game unbeaten run. It was a big deal and it was very fun to watch because a lot of Woso Twitter really enjoys the US losing. I'm not going to make a secret of that. 
hearing Blur say woohoo every time Sweden scored was quite delicious, to be honest with you. But on a more serious note, Sweden played sensationally. They were so good. So what are we expecting when the Matildas take on Sweden? Kind of disregarding the scoreless draw, as you guys have alluded to, because it's a whole other kettle of fish. But what are we expecting from us? Are we expecting changes in lineup, in formation, in how we attack Sweden, especially considering what we have seen with them against the US? Yes, <laughs> is my answer to the changes in particular. Uh, we, we were just Please talking elaborate about... on your answers. Yes, but why? Uh, because based on what we were mentioning before in terms of Sweden being a team that have been so dynamic with the ball, they can catch you on the counter, they're so defensively disciplined, um, they're just a threat in so many different ways. I, I think there would just be so many opportunities for them to open us up if we played with the defence that we did last night in terms of a back four. I think they identified that in those friendlies. I, I think we might have to get used to maybe seeing either Steph Catley or Ellie Carpenter shift into a, a defensive back three when we play teams like this. Um, I think realistically, you look at that Sweden performance. If we're high in confidence after our game, they are going to be like, I don't know, up where bloody Jeff Bezos and them are, like just in their own atmosphere at the moment after that. Like, <laughs> they were just so good. It was like, it's not like it was like some sort of jammy win where you're like, oh, yeah, good for you. You stuck it up. And, no, they, they thrashed him. Like, shout out to friend of the pod, Burke, who did one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen. Um, USWNT world champions being bullied by 11 walking highlighters. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't watching this game, Sweden were wearing these Uniqlo kits that were genuinely the colour of yellow highlighters. Like, they're extraordinary, like, blinding kits. Um, and I'll be interested to see if they rock those ones again when they play us. Um, I don't think anyone was expecting it. Uh, the glare. The glare. That's... I mean, maybe that's what that's what did it for them. They were, the, the kids were just so bright that the USA were like, "Oh God, I can't see, can't see anything." And, the, and Sweden just ran around them. Maybe that was the game plan all along. Shout out to Uniqlo. Yeah, good for you. But yeah, I think as I said, in terms of us, I think we'll need to be more defensively sound. We certainly can't cop a goal like we did at the end of that New Zealand one where. I think it came from an Ellie Carpenter turnover. They got us on the counter. Ivy Lewis gets caught between two players and it was all a bit calamitous in the end. Um, I'm actually interested in your guys' thoughts on how we actually changed this defence. Uh, we saw Lydia, Lydia Williams have a couple of not of her best moments. Like she sort of went for another uh, dash out where she got didn't make a proper clearance. And then I think it was Hannah Wilkinson got the ball and luckily Ellie Carpenter was on hand to clear the cross that came in. And then she wasn't in probably the best positioning for that goal, but that was a bit of a, a nightmare all round, I think. Um, do we think Lydia Williams stays in goal? She has been the incumbent number one for so long. We talk about Teague and Micah knocking on the door. Um, and to be fair, for most of that game last night, she was pretty sure-footed in the right places. Do we, do we see any change? I, I think Micah might go in goals just because she's a fantastic shot stopper. And... That's probably what we're going to need against this Sweden team if they come out playing like they did against the USA. 
I love lids, love it a bit, but I think do need a bit, um, yeah, that, the shot, the shot stopping, the stopping of the shots, some of that, get that in there. Yeah. Oh, I feel uncomfortable saying that. Sorry. Oh, I feel awkward now. Anyway, Sam, what do you think? <laughs> I, do, I, yeah, I agree with you, Angela. I do think Micah is going to be the shout to start against Sweden, not just because I do think she's a better natural shot stopper than Williams is, but also she has experience against Sweden recently, right? She made her debut against Sweden. She kept that clean sheet against Sweden. And even though she didn't come up against the perhaps two of the most important strikers that Sweden had against the USA in, in Stina Blackstenius and Sophia Jakobsen, I still think that that experience and that confidence that she would take from that friendly can really come in handy in a moment like this. Um, and we have, you're right, Angela, like you're being able to stop shots. Like it sounds so basic when we say it like this, but the ability to stop shots is so important. And coming up against a Sweden side like this, who, to be honest, probably should have put two or three more goals past the USA yesterday. Blackstinius was one-on-one with Alyssa Nea at least twice, but just wasn't able to get past her. Like the Matildas are going to be under fire. You know, they're going to be facing quite a lot of, uh, of bullets from this Sweden side. And so I think we do need to have someone in goal who is able naturally to just be able to keep them out, just do a Keanu Reeves and just keep them away from us. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Mike can get to run because I, I think that she is the future of the side. And Williams, for as much as we love her and for all the great things that she has done, she does have every now and then, not as much as Mackenzie Arnold does, but she does have a clangor in her. And I worry that, perhaps off the back of some of those hesitation moments against New Zealand, she might not be feeling 100% coming into the Sweden game. But in terms of what the Matildas need to change more generally, I like to be honest, defensively, I don't really think they, they should change that much. I think Ivy Lewick was particularly impressive against New Zealand in the way that she dropped in next to Claire Polkinghorne um, to really shore up that back four and also to give license to Catley and Carpenter in various moments to go forward. Um, I think maybe the only thing that I would change is actually in midfield. I would maybe bring in a second number six. I would maybe bring in uh, an Elise Keller Knight, or I would ask Emily Van Egmond to play as a more serious, solid defensive midfielder to really block in that those two defensive lines rather than having a more free-flowing kind of midfield and potentially risk opening up that line between the, at the midfield and our back four or back three or whatever it, Gustafsson wants to do. So, yeah, I, I, I think that the nil draw against Sweden was really instructive in that sense. I think it showed what, what the Matildas are capable of when they decide to play defensively. We can keep them out. Uh, we are capable of doing that. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'd like to perhaps see something like that, but with a little bit more attacking intent down the other side of the field. You know, one moment defensively that I loved and it's actually stuck with me was right at the end of the game when we conceded and, of course, as happens, New Zealand get it down their end again. And it's Mary Fowler, who's a teenage striker who's come on in the 75th minute, one-on-one on the wing. Um, striker could easily dive in, could easily let the cross go through, just jockeyed really nicely, didn't give anything away. 
and eventually is able to not force the ball out for a corner, but forces it out for a throw-in. And the clock actually winds down as the ball goes out for a throw-in and the ref blows the whistle. It was so impressive. Um, I spoke to Tony Gustafsson before the Olympics and I asked about Mary Fowler and Kara Cooney Cross, and he said the thing that they both really improved on was their defensive side of things. We know what they've got. We know that Kyra, for example, can go on these bursting runs and can pull shots, and Mary Fowler's got this great finishing ability. But he said that they'd really put the work in defensively, and for me that was just so exciting. Um, we know what these young players can do in terms of providing a spark, but when it's not your job to when it's not your primary job to be a defender, to put that work in and just do what it took to get the result, I thought was super impressive. I, I could only imagine that's the sort of clip that you'd take when you're, when you're cutting up the game. You go, this is, this is the sort of stuff you want to see. Games on, on the line. This is a must-win game. It would have been an absolute disaster if we dropped from such a period of dominance to only taking one point from that game. And I know it was unlikely we would have scored, but it was good to see a young player make that the right decision and put in the right amount of effort and get the ideal result. And it, it was just something that hopefully we can stick with. Sam, I'm, I'm actually interested. You mentioned about bringing another six in. We saw Ivy Lewick play as a centre-back. So in your view, I'd, clearly Elise Kellenite is not going to be right to play a full game if she's not even appeared yet. Do you see Lewick going back into midfield or do you see um, someone else coming in? I also thought Emily Van Egmond was sensational last night, just pulling all the strings, especially early on. Where where do you see this happening? Look, bar that little mix-up at the end, I thought was, as you said, Sam, super solid defensively, barely missed a beat. Where, where do you see this lineup changing? Well, the way that I assessed uh, the, the sort of the back line uh, last night against New Zealand I think was a little bit different to you Harriet I, I saw more of a flexible back three rather than a traditional back four we saw in particular kinds of moments depending on where the ball was on the field and whether we had possession or whether New Zealand had possession we saw Lewick do different things so for example when we wanted a Catley or a Carpenter to bomb further forward when we had possession and we're building from the back we did see Lewick drop in next to Claire Polkinghorne in order to create the sort of structural sense of a back four that allowed one or the other to go up the wing. But the other always stayed behind to maintain that back three. Whereas when we were defending, I think uh, you sort of saw Lewick change uh, sort of her position in a different kind of way. Like there were moments where it was sort of just Polkinghorn at the back there with either Catley or Carpenter on either side and Lewick was pushed further up the field. And that sort of gave Emily Van Egmond permission to push further up as well and to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more freewheeling in the way that we, we know she can be. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the the big takeaway that I had from this game and the answer to the questions about structure and formation that we were asking over the course of all these friendlies was that Gustafsson seems to have come up with uh, a really fluid, flexible back three slash back four, which... It still does the defensive work that he wants it to do, but it doesn't compromise the uh, the attacking players that we have there. So in particular kinds of moments, we still saw them able to get upfield and to create those chances. But they're in, in, in defensive moments, because they are our, some of our best defensive players, that's the reason they've been playing played in the back three, we saw them still tuck in. We saw them still able to, to shore up that defence and to try and keep New Zealand out for as long as possible. So... 
I, I was really impressed with that. I think that that was a, a very subtle kind of shift that he uh, sort of encouraged in those players. And I mean, again, again, it was based on, I think, largely New Zealand's quality and what we had licensed to do against an opponent that perhaps wouldn't press as quickly or as hard as a Sweden or a USA. Um, so I'm, I'm not quite sure we'll see the same sort of subtle fluid back three, four formation against Sweden or the USA. But I mean, that's that's the way that I saw it. And so by virtue of that, I do think that uh, bringing in another number six or maybe bringing Van Egmond back into be a little bit more disciplined as a number six as well will sort of do the same kind of job if that makes sense no that's exactly what I wanted to hear sound like so I should have actually meant I didn't mean it was a flat back four all game because we saw at times we defended as a five at times as a three and yeah it, it just was interesting to me that we sort of started with Lewick playing as one of the two in what started as a four but it was yeah, I, I like that, Sam. I agree. It's nice to see that bit of flexibility. I think they would have got confidence from, as you said, trying out different things in those different friendlies, seeing how they can tuck in. Um, if more just, I'm interested because Lewick played early in those friendlies as more a pure midfielder, whereas it seems like it's something I think we talked about in earlier pods, whether we will see her more play as this, um, not necessarily the Julie Ertz role, but as a centre-back who's stepping into midfield or whether we're going to see her play more as a more traditional midfielder or whether when Elise Kalanite is fit, we see Lewick stay as effectively part of this defence and then KK is further forward. Um, I've just been curious about that. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's exciting. I agree with you. I think Ivy Lewick, we know she played in defence in Spain. She's always been able to do the holding midfield role, but I just think that extra touch of versatility has given us those options where you can see at times those fullbacks tuck in but we do look so much more threatening when at least one of Carpenter or Catley is able to get forward. Certainly more threatening than when we were playing them all as a tight back three with Haley Razzo as a wing back. Um, so I hope we do see a bit more of this flexibility. I know that we're going to have to be tighter defensively against Sweden, but if we can see those players get a bit more freedom, that'd be, that'd be ideal, I think. I think also something that we have coming into this game is that we're not the big dogs. So that will help, I think, perhaps um, calm things down a little bit or ensure that we're not taking anything for granted. Um, perhaps that's what the US um, fell victim to a little bit because they are the big dogs, but they're a medium dog today, so suck it. Um, and I suppose as well, <laughs> um, I'm interested to see if, like, Chloe Lagazzo will get any minutes um, against Sweden because um, she does... I think she's got that real drive defensively. She can bring a little bit of the mongrel, put a lot of pressure on players, works really hard. Um, and also where Alana Kennedy fits in in a game against Black Sweden, I'm not sure. I did have a chat with um, a teammate of mine and it feels like at the moment she's not playing defensive enough to be a sure thing in playing a defensive game but she's not a midfielder she's not in our midfielder setup so it's like where does she really what's her role at the moment it sort of feels like she's between like in a gray area and so I personally would not feel comfortable with her coming on in like you know if we're like one nil up in the second half or that sort of situation um I know that we we rip into Kennedy a little bit too much on this podcast but uh, she's brought it upon herself I think in, that's as um, mean as I'm ever going to get, but I don't 
No, I, I think it's because we have high expectations of Alana Kennedy, isn't it? Like we all, when she was playing as a midfielder, we were like, we want to see this player play as a centre-back because she is our best centre-back. And um, based on especially what Sam's talked about with flexibility, I, Ivy Lewick has been fantastic. Like that Lewick-Polkinghorn combination, bar right at the end where there was that mix-up and Kennedy had actually come on at that point too. We looked rock solid, like... And I know there's not necessarily the pace there and we may need to use Lewick's attributes elsewhere. But I think if Kennedy was, and we know she had that off-season surgery, if she was fit and in form, maybe the questions asking I was asking you before, Sam, about what shift do we make to get someone into midfield and get this all clicking a different way would have already been answered because you go, well, you put Kennedy in and she starts and then Lewick can push forward. But you've got to work with what you've got at the moment. And Kennedy's not played more than about 45 minutes, I think. Um, which indicates she's still building fitness or maybe they're still figuring out, as Angela said, exactly where they want her to play. Um, but, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I'm really curious to see what approach they take against Sweden because I don't think they can just tuck in for 90 minutes and hope that, you know, it falls to a draw or something. I think they will want to take it up to them at some point because these players are naturally aggressive. But, yeah, the way they do it, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough one. Also, just one last thing that I wanted to touch on. Um, the, the the Ellie Carpenter, I can't, it's, the pod's not a visual medium, but did, did anyone see when the New Zealand player threw the ball away? And she was like, anyway, that was like top, top moment for me. Love it. Someone please give that. It was, I just did a, an impression of Ellie Carpenter shrugging and scrunching up her face. It was, it was excellent. We don't need to put this in the pod, but. Can we also turn Angela's uh, visual recreation into a gift, please? Okay. Yeah, like side by side, like <laughs> one above the other. Okay, all right, we can do that. I, I think it's also it. another thing I sort of wanted to throw back to from the beginning of the episode was what Angela said about Kai Simon. I thought that was Kai Simon's best game for quite a long time, all the way back to, I think, the Olympic friendlies. Um, she was on fire then coming off the back of her really good season with Melbourne City, but she hadn't really shown that sort of vibe over the course of the friendlies that she was involved in up until this point. And I think being given in a very, very similar way to Emily Van Egon, being given a little bit more freedom to move where she wanted saw her become, I think, Australia's most deadly player in and around the box. She had the most shots of any of the Matildas and she had the most shots on goal as well, five and three respectively, I think it was, So, which was more than Sam Kerr, I'm pretty sure. So I was really impressed with her and she did have that kind of confidence, Angela, that you mentioned before, that, you know, once she's on, she's on and you really saw it as well. She, she looked dangerous. She looked dangerous in ways that we haven't seen for a while. So I was really impressed with her. I was also really impressed with Caitlin Ford. I feel like that was probably Ford's best contribution to the Matildas under Gustafson so far as well. Um, she was doing what she what she does best, receiving the ball out wide, cutting inside, putting crosses in for Sam uh, and sort of taking players on, which I think is really important for her confidence because up until this point in the friendlies, she didn't really seem to be doing a whole lot. So I think that both of those players will take a lot from, from that game against New Zealand as well. Yes, and I love that you mentioned Caitlin Ford because I think she's the one player you just want to see get on the score sheet now. Like Simon got very close and probably deserved a goal last night. There was one probably sitter that she should have put away um, that got saved. But I'd love to see Ford kick on from this and score because I think you don't necessarily get the plaudits um, when you don't. And I agree 
with you. I think she's building and building and just need to see that extra little bit of something. And she is a real confidence player, Caitlin Ford. And I think if she can get one goal away, that'll just kickstart her. We saw it at Arsenal. We've seen it with the Matildas before. Um, I think if she can just get one on the board, that'll get her rolling. And all of a sudden, we've been talking about this attack, then what could happen when it clicks? If Caitlin Ford can get scoring, then, uh, yeah, sky's the limit. Obviously, all things considered, we cannot wait for the Sweden game and we don't have to wait long for it. We take on Sweden 6.30pm Eastern time on Saturday night. So before that, we will have a preview pod with a special Swedish guest. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And then obviously, we will dissect that game and the USA game as they come. But thanks so much for tuning in you can find us on espn.com.au and the espn app we're on spotify google and apple subscribe so you can get all of the stuff that we have planned for the olympics straight into your feed if you like what we've done please leave a review uh we're at the far post pod so if there's something that you would like us to talk about as andrew did earlier in the episode feel free to leave us a comment and we'll try our best to kind of talk through it and answer it but until next time Go Tilly's and say this.